Welcome to the Bayside Sports Pod. I'm your host, Seth Tao. I'm a sports reporter for the Star Democrat, covering the Eastern Shore for APG Chesapeake. Be sure to keep up with all of our episodes at the Star Democrat website, or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Seth Tao, and follow us on Instagram at stardem underscore sports. Hey everyone, this is episode 9 of the Bayside Sports Pod. Thanks for listening. On this episode, I interviewed Cambridge South Dorchester head football coach Gavin Parker. We talked about the recent MPSSAA announcement that fall and winter high school sports in Maryland are postponed because of the COVID-19 pandemic, various implications and aspects of that decision from a football perspective, and CSD football's busy offseason. Gavin had plenty to say about everything. We'll have plenty of content at the Star Democrat and stardem.com in the coming weeks and months about the loss of fall seasons, what could happen going forward, and much more. This podcast is just the beginning of all of that. So again, thanks for listening, and enjoy. All right, so we have Gavin Parker on the podcast today, head coach of Cambridge South Dorchester High Football. Gavin, how you doing? Doing great, man. Uh, got a power outage at the moment, but uh, you know, other than that, moving along. Yeah, the whole tropical storm this morning kind of shaking everything up. You all all right? Oh, yeah. All right, cool. So uh, let's just jump right into it. You know, yesterday the MPSSAA announced that fall and winter sports are postponed, thankfully not canceled, just postponed. Have you talked to your, your football team since the news yesterday? I have not really addressed the MPSSA. We shared it on the Facebook um, page, but that's pretty much it. We have been trying to provide information as we get it here within the county to try to make sure that the kids are aware of what's going on. Even before the MPSSAA made their decision, the decision was already done. With the two or three big, uh, at that point, largest counties in Maryland, all saying that they're not going to have, you know, that they're going to go virtual until January sometime, the whole first semester. The MPSSAA had, had no choice. We knew that. Luckily, I've got a superintendent who um, is very candid about that. He's been very open about that. Um, so, you know, we, we were well-versed in what Dorchester County Public Schools' uh, return to school plan was. We knew that at this point, you know, there could be no extracurricular ac- activities until phase three. So we're just, we're just going to play it by that. We're communicating to kids locally what we could handle. It was a little frustrating because other counties were in different um, spots. Some counties were a little bit more eager to make the decision. Some counties were waiting. At that time, you've got different um, different teams still working out, and it kind of really put the pressure on us and uh, created some you know some strain with our with our student athletes and us because they were wondering why we weren't working out. And the reality was. We weren't allowed to at that time, um, still are not allowed to. So, you know, we just try to communicate with the kids, you know, the message all along with what we could handle and, uh, you know, kind of go from there. So I guess what's your, even though you haven't been, you haven't talked to the kids yet since yesterday, what's your message to the team been, I guess, throughout the last couple of months? 
It's been very simple, man. Keep the safe or, or uh, keep the faith and be safe. You know, and then that's that's the reality. And a situation like this never happened before. So no one really knows exactly what to say, how to say it, when to say it. But, you know, you got a group of seniors who are looking at their last year, trying to find some kind of experience. Um, you, got a, you got a younger group of kids who've been working hard for their time to try to be that starter. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, just trying to keep the kids motivated. Luckily, you know, a few of the kids have taken it upon themselves to go seek some outside trainers. Um, when the YMCA opened up, you know, it was nice because a lot of our kids have YMCA memberships so they could get working out, lifting weights, those kinds of things. Um, but unfortunately, you know, it came to South Dorchester. You know, a lot of our kids don't have access to weight rooms or private facilities, you know. So the school is where they get that outlet, where they get that release, where they can really, you know, grow as an athlete and as a young man. And, uh, you know, so that was kind of tough to try to make sure that they don't get too down or too, you know, too much of a dark place. Um, go down the wrong path you know what we end up doing is we split the team up into all the coaches and you know try to give each coach you know about 10 kids and so that the kids have somebody to check in with you know regularly if they need to and you're just trying to find ways to support them through the whole process obviously some coaches and have been you know especially with all the time lost to the pandemic and, you know, forget the summer, even just like, you know, March and April, you know, valuable off-season workout time was lost there. I know you weren't, I guess, involved in the program then, which I'm going to come back to a bit later, but have you kind of been giving the kids workouts to do at home over the summer? And like you said, not everyone has the same access. So how do you kind of be flexible and try to get as many kids, whatever access they need? Yeah, I, we found some resources that were some, you know, a few day a week body weight workouts that kids could do. Like I said, we we were able to get some kids hooked up with some, you know, outside sources um, where they could work together safely. Um, but other than that, you know, we just tried to be there for them mentally. Uh, there wasn't a lot we could do for them physically at the moment. Um, so. That's tough. That's a tough one to swallow. Uh, I just had a kid text me yesterday and asked when the weight room was going to be open, you know, and uh, <clears throat> we don't know. We don't know when that's going to play out. Uh, hopefully we get some answers in the next couple of weeks, but it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't pan out always like you're supposed to. So, you know, you just try to keep it moving. Um, you know, again, like I said, we provided some, some resources, but at the end of the day, you know, pretty much everyone's in the same boat. I don't think there were many um, public schools that were really at an advantage, you know, getting their kids ready. You know, I wasn't too worried about Easton working out in the summertime or the Wicomico schools working out in the summertime because I knew the season wasn't going to happen. So, you know, to me, it didn't make a whole lot of sense why school systems were even allowing the kids to work out if they knew the season wasn't going to happen at that time, um, especially with the spikes that are happening here locally. But that's not our worry. We're trying to focus on us, make sure we're doing what's right for our kids and our community. And uh, right now that's going to be trying to figure out what the next step is. 
in some ways, is there kind of a sense of relief? Just, I know you kind of said you don't know that the season, you kind of knew the season wasn't going to happen, but is there just kind of a sense of relief from just knowing that there's actually a decision, an official decision made by the MPSSAA and still, instead of still waiting around for some word? Yeah, no doubt about it. We've spent the last two to three weeks, you know, looking to them and they've done nothing. Um, they've said they've been working. They've been waiting for the state superintendent. You know, we all knew it was happening, you know, but it was it was difficult to kind of sit there and, and feel like that they were just doing nothing. They were, they were just providing updates every Tuesday. And it seemed like all they were doing was, you know, changing the date at the top of the uh, at the update uh, website. So, you know, it was good that they released a statement. It was good that in the statement they said they were working on that condensed season um, in the springtime. Um, is that the worst part about it was that other systems around us were seemed to be a little bit more proactive. Now Delaware seems to be I, I don't know what Delaware's doing, you know, and I know Pennsylvania has kind of dug their feet in and said they're gonna do it. You know, they're gonna do the high school football thing. Um, but we talk about like District of Columbia, um, you know, DC, their athletic association released, you know, a month ago, they released their plan for a condensed season starting like in December with winter sports. So, you know, when you do that, you know, it kind of feels like you're at least being a little bit more proactive with the kids, um, you know, but again, everyone's trying to make sure that they do right and they take the time to make a decision. So it's tough to get too mad about it. You know, most of the frustration comes from just having to deal with kids answering questions when, you know, you got to provide them kind of some false hope in that sense. Like, well, it could happen, you know, but the NPSSA is kind of taking their time and, you know, every, you know, and every day you're getting closer to camp. And as a coach, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, well, if they don't do it, you know, now, you know, we, now I've got to go have a meeting with our athletic director and you know, our, our director of sports for the county and try to figure out what we can and can't do. And, you know, so it was it was the right decision for the times, but you know it's it's different. And the reality is, you know, MPSSAA doesn't govern the summertime. So really, like to them, they didn't they weren't really worried about a decision because they didn't. You know, to them, they the month of July is a new touch time for them. Like they don't care what happens in the month of July. So you know, all they were worried about is trying to make sure that they, you know. We're waiting as long as they could before they pulled the plug on the 12th. But I don't know. I mean, it was a little frustrating. But, yeah, it's certainly it's certainly better to have some form of answers. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously they're in a tough spot. Like, they clearly didn't want to make a decision too early because, like, if they made this call three, four weeks ago, I know you said that's what D.C. did. Surely if they made that type of call, like, a month ago, there would have been a lot of people upset that they didn't let the situation develop more. But if you wait too long, is a bunch of people kind of feel they did, then they kind of keep everyone in limbo unnecessarily. Is there a way you would have handled this at all differently from, from how they did? I think when you talk about it, it starts with a, uh, it starts with Hogan and um, Dr. Salmon and those guys, you know, they wanted there to be, uh, they wanted it to be a County decision. And when, you delegate education out to the counties like we traditionally do. 
and kind of the reopening plans were delegated out to each county to make a plan that was best for their area, you know, it kind of put the NPSSA in a bad spot because they're now governing the entire state with everyone doing something different. Um, so th that, that's a tough one. Um, and I understand the frustrations with that. And I'm sure, you know, the farther I get from it, you know, I'm sure they were probably doing something. Um, but like I said, I just felt like there was a lack of updates, you know, and in my opinion, and maybe that's because my county was one of the counties that didn't budge and said, you know, look, we're in a no, no contact, no physical contact with kids. And, you know, extracurriculars are going to be suspended. We were one of, you know, that first wave to do that. Yeah, it's it's just tough. You know, it's a tough situation. I don't think anybody wins, you know, but hopefully hopefully it all works out for the kids. So I guess your it sounds like your bigger gripe was less so about, like, how long it took the MPS, MPSSAA to – God, that's a mouthful. How long it took the MPSSAA to make a decision, but more so just – you wanted some more communication along the way? Yeah, I mean, I think it could have been communicated that we were, you know, exploring different options. It's just, it just the longer you wait, the more it turns into rumors. You know, then you got to deal with, you know, again, it all trickles downhill, you know, but as coaches, we're trying to do right by the kids and provide them up-to-date information and, you know, if you talk to any coach, you know, 15 to 18 year old young men and, you know, young women are not always um, the easiest to talk to, especially in trying times. Uh, they've just lost their spring seasons, you know, their school year. So now they just want to know so that they can prepare themselves. And that was just our biggest gripe is just it felt like, felt like, you know, there was just a lack of communication there. Okay, so in your mind, I guess, what's the best case scenario for football season? What would it look like? Um, from what I can understand from reading the MPSSAA's statement and talking to some other people, you know, I think there's a strong possibility that we could have some kind of shortened season sometime in the springtime where every sport maybe plays, you know, five weeks a game, something along those lines. Um, what that would look like, I don't know. Football is so unique um, in the sense – I mean, every sport, conditioning is an issue. Um, but football with equipment, you know, if you think about August and, you know, in particular, we don't even get to hit people until like the seventh day of practice or something like that. So if we – you know, if we played, you know, if we did like a seven-week season and the first two weeks were kind of like a mini camp, you know, it's not until that second week, that second, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday, do you finally first, you know, get to hit people. And then you, the following week you got games and, you know, so it's, it's a lot to consider. There's a lot of safety concerns to consider. But, you know, I think it could be done. I mean, I read somewhere – you know, there's a lot of Comar and, and waivers and issues that, you know, this kind of poses. And there are things that I'm ignorant to. You know, there's obviously people who get paid to handle all that um, who are probably a little bit smarter than me. But, you know, that just – those are just things that I think, you know, 
we should figure out and, and, and kind of go from there. You know, I think I think there's a good chance, you know, that we could do it. Um, is it going to be normal? No. Is it going to be is it going to be perfect? No. You know, but I think if you talk to any football coach, you know, we're just trying to trying to get the kids games. You know, five. I mean, if if we could figure out a way to get my seniors five games during their senior year, you know, I would be ecstatic. I'd be absolutely ecstatic. I think I think we could all tip our hat to say, you know, that we did what we could to provide an experience for those kids. Now, obviously, every sport's different. You know, football is the only one I think where you can only have one a week. You know, but with a five-week season, you could have 10 basketball games, 10, you know, 10 baseball games, 10 softball games. You know, you could do, you know, quite a few track and field meets. You know what I mean? So you could do a lot of different things, soccer games, um, you know. But, again, if we could figure out a way to get five football games, you know, and that'll, and that'll you know, create that experience for the kids and hopefully it all works out, but. Yeah, and if they can get that information to the – because scheduling is done on a conference level. So the NPSSA has got to release it, and then the, then it's got to go to the base side to create the schedule, you know, and then and then we can go from there. We're all well aware that a state championship is probably out of the question. You know, any kind of hardware um, is out of the question. But, again, we're talking about experiences, making sure kids, you know, can get what they need. Um, you talk, I got quite a few kids who I think are college bound to play football to try to get them five more games of game film, um, for coaches. So, you know, that, that would be the, that would be the win-win for me. I thought the point that you brought up about, you know, safety concerns with football wise, I, I thought that was really interesting because when you hear a lot of just general conversation about what's going to happen in the spring, as far as sports, it's obviously centered around what, where the pandemic is and what the COVID situation is then because, and, you know, there's no way for any, certainly for either of us to know where it will be. We're not health experts or anything like that. And there's no real way for anybody to fully know what it's going to look like come say February. But do you feel like in conversations like this, the aspect of what like actual football safety is, is getting almost overlooked, like just kind of trying to fit, some sort of seven week schedule, like you said, just trying to fit that in without even thinking about, Oh, but it's actually going to take like two, two and a half weeks of mini camp and you're not even gonna be able to start really hitting people for a week and a half. And do you think some of that stuff's kind of getting overlooked? I don't think it's being overlooked by any football person. You know, I think outside people, parents, kids might be a little bit aggressive with their perception, but, uh, but I think any football person, any high school coach, um, any athletic director, anybody who's been around a long time can tell you, you know, that that's something that's crossed their mind. Yeah, I've certainly had that conversation with numerous coaches. And, you know, again, those are all things that uh, I guess you would consider in a normal season, you know, and, and this is probably going to be nothing, nothing close to normal. So they're going to be things that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not – at liberty to say, you know, what could be cut and what could not be cut. You know, football is still a full contact sport, you know, but uh, there's still going to be the need to be some kind of buffer along those lines. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I'm sure the MPSSAA is, is thought that through and 
you know, hopefully in the next few weeks we can get some kind of, you know, clarification from them and, and we can kind of go from there. So if football season happens in spring, which obviously at this point is kind of the best case scenario just for it to happen sometime in 2021, but what do you, I don't know if this has even crossed your mind yet, but just something I was thinking of in preparing for this podcast, just it could, it's, it's plausible that say they put football season in February and March that, you know, there's going to be some seasons overlapping more so than there otherwise would have been. What, what do you think would happen if kids actually have to choose between football and another sport, if seasons end up overlapping, you know, when I was thinking about you all, the example I thought of was Donald Banks, like he'd be lined up for a bigger role for you on football this year, but it'd kind of be the same deal for him in basketball. Like how would you go about handling that? Yeah, I could understand it. I'd have to see the dates. You know, when you look at it, traditionally, the only issue you have overlapping-wise is when you have teams that are making deep playoff runs. So if you don't have playoffs and you're very rigid with your seasons and your start and end dates, you know, I think it could probably be navigated quite easily. You know, but again – I can't imagine, you know, that if there's some condensed seasons that there's not going to be some overlap. But those are things that we navigate every year. You know, you got kids who are wrestlers. You got kids, you know, who are basketball players. And it's normally not your starters that, you know, the guys who are getting the majority of the playing time. It's normally not them who – um maybe jump ship to the next season. It's those guys who fill out your team, the special teams guys, those guys who really make the difference in a game, you know, numbers-wise, but, you know, aren't necessarily getting the newspaper articles or carries or the tackles, those kinds of things, the statistics. Those are the guys who might jump ship on you, um, you know, and, and jump into the next sport. So it certainly crossed my mind. But again, you know, traditionally playoffs has been the has been the overlap. You know, when you make those deep runs, think about last year, you make that deep run to the state semifinals. You know, those kinds of things are when you kind of get that friction between us and the basketball team or us and the wrestling team. So going forward through the next however many months it is until there through the through I guess going forward through the next however many months, what, what's your message to the team going to be? Is it going to change at all from what you've been telling them all along? Are you going to keep giving them kind of conditioning and workouts and whatever until there's another decision to be made at some point? Or have you even figured out figured all that out yet? Well, you kind of I – mean, me and my staff have communicated with each other. Um, you kind of start to begin to create plans, you know, contingency plans for different scenarios. But you don't know. You don't know what's coming. And as you kind of alluded to earlier, you know, if the COVID, you know, stuff starts to settle back down and, you know, where they come out with a vaccine, again, I'm not speaking any health terms and, or am I making a statement. But, you know, the things, the situations change, you know, for the better, you know, even though MPSSA says we're going to start at a certain date, school systems might, you know, be given power to, kind of make their own decisions on whether, you know, 
players and coaches can work out and those kinds of things. So, yes, I mean, I suspect at least till the middle or end of September, you know, we're going to be in this same holding pattern. You know, my hope is that, you know, sometime in October, you know, maybe we can see the kids again face-to-face. But, again, situations change. Numbers could get worse. They could get better sooner. You know, there's a lot of things that could happen. But, you know, again, my hope would be the middle of October. But that's that's my hope. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, who think that we can never – you know, that, that we might never go back, you know, this school year, you know, with the kids, which, you know, would create a whole different list of issues. So, I don't know. I mean, it's just a little too far in the, the early detail, but, you know, we're just going to kind of wait and see. And I think traditionally um, at CSD, we've been able to adapt um, pretty well to whatever the circumstances are and just try to keep it moving. So CSD football's had obviously a tumultuous off season with you initially stepping down in January and then the program hiring Al Waters and then Al leaving a couple months later to take the Queen Anne's job and then you deciding to return. So what have the past couple months looked like for you since you came back? Well, I can tell you I wasn't back. I think we might have been we were out of school for COVID reasons. Um when all this kind of took place and um you know we we kind of just got a hold of the situation um you know that was that was the first thing the first thing was to get the kids settled down and with the COVID situation I couldn't um I couldn't get all the kids together to speak face to face it was more talking through the senior leadership messaging through huddle um, again, messaging through different, you know, ways of um, communication, but just trying to make sure that the kids knew that we were working hard. Um, a long time assistant kind of took the charge until it all kind of worked out that I was going to take it back, you know, and I had met with Miss Otay and Mr. Stover uh, CSD to make sure everything was was back under control, and that was the first step was to settle the water, kind of make sure you know that everything was going to be fine. And again, I mean, I've done it long enough now, you know, and I didn't certainly didn't delete everything and forget everything that I'd learned, you know. So jump right back into it, prepared like we were going to play and start August twelfth. Worked on the summer workout stuff, you know, got the budget done, got everything ordered that we needed for the upcoming season, you know. And so I was a few weeks behind in that because uh, Coach Waters, I don't think, really even got going on that kind of um, stance. But, you know, once I got all that going, and then it was just kind of slowly talking to the community members, um, making sure that those stakeholders, those people who contribute, and support the football team, make sure I reach out to them, touch a base, make sure everybody else was comfortable with where we were at, you know. And then and then it was just, you know, we met with the staff um, and, you know, set our targets on the upcoming season. 
tried to make sure that we were prepared. And they're all guys I've worked with for five or six years now. So just tried to get right back on track as fast as possible. And I think we were able to do that, you know, and just kind of keep it moving. I know we talked about this before we, before, you know, when I wrote the initial story about you coming back, but I wanted to bring this back up again, just for the listeners, you stepped down in January to focus on your educational and, and your administrative role. What changed for, for you that you decided to come back and coach? Well, I think what we were trying to do, and again, you know, it's a very difficult thing when you spend, you know, seven years, you know, working, um, for something. Um, and, and we worked hard. I worked hard to continue um, with that torch that Jake Coleman gave to me. That is the CSD football program. Um, you know, and it was a very difficult decision. At the time, you know, I was in the middle of my first year as an assistant principal, and albeit we were successful, you know, I had Al there, you know, and he we had just he had just kind of hit his stride in a year or two with his relationship with the kids and their understanding of the pro of of what he wanted to do and defensively and you know the the, the staff was extremely cohesive um, you know and and as a person who you know worked hard to make that happen you know it was kind of like one of those situations where it's like okay like you know I'm not gonna be selfish here. You know, I've got other aspirations as well. You know, I guess it was a little bit selfish, but, you know, to maybe go get my doctor and get that started, um, you know, and, and make sure family's taken care of and those kinds of things. And, you know, and Coach Waters, you know, deserved the opportunity, in my opinion. Um, you know, obviously it didn't work out. I thought he deserved it. Obviously came from Queen Anne's with a great reputation. I thought over the two years – um, he spent with me at CSD, you know, he, he grew, you know, in his, in his communication with the kids and understanding the community and his community relations. And, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was a prime time, you know, Al had the support of the entire staff, you know, all the local guys who were helping out all liked him, you know, so, you know, so when, but it was still a tough decision, you know. I don't think you ever when you when you do football as long as I have, you know, since I was nine years old, you know, for the last twenty years, you know, it's never easy to step away from something you love. You know, so you always got a little bit left in you and you know, I was still involved with fundraising and those kinds of things. So, you know, it was it was when it happened, um, you know, I didn't think twice. Didn't think twice about it. I knew what needed to happen. Um, I knew the waters needed to be settled quick, um, so that way the kids would be calm, they'd feel taken care of, the community wouldn't hit the panic button. You know, because again, CSD football is is bigger than than one coach. It's bigger than one player. You know, it's years of history and winning and lots of traditions um you know that's what that gold pride is all about and uh you know when he stepped away it wasn't you know it wasn't the ship sinking you know it was you know Gavin just got back in the helm and 
you know, we kept it moving forward. And, you know, again, I expect us, hopefully when we play this spring, I expect us to be extremely competitive again. So that that administrative background that you have, you know, as an assistant principal and all that, did it give you any different perspective on the pandemic and how all the counties and even the MPSSAA went about everything? Yes and no. I mean, when you when you study to be with educational leadership, um, master's degree, you know, you got to take a couple of law classes and a lot of conversations about perspective and how counties operate differently. Um, so you understand it, you know, but I think 2020 is a different beast um, with the amount of information or, or misinformation um, of readily available to people with the amount of, you know, um, media battling with each other with, you know, with the population. I mean, it's just, I don't think anything could have could prepare you to, to work through you know, this, I think my, my temperament to kind of just settle the water and keep things moving, um, you know, and be patient, you know, kind of where the, what paid off most for me, uh, here in, in my relationships. I feel like, you know, at the time when all this was happening, we didn't have, um, this June, our, um, sports director in the County had left to take another position. So we didn't have one. So I was communicating with our athletic director and our superintendent, you know, and I was part of the process to try to talk through, you know, some of the situations and, you know, just keeping that open line of communication, making sure I listen and respect people, you know, who um, are in positions of power. So work hard to do that. And that just kind of helped me kind of keep a level head, as you said, and a couple other guys. You know, I was kind of like the first one to kind of admit we weren't going to play, you know, on the shore and just kind of say the obvious. To me, I, I can't understand some of these counties who let their sports teams work out this summer but are going to start virtually. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know, I don't care what protocols you use. But that's just me. Um, that's just me and what's going on and, you know, I'm going to think safety first and try to make sure our kids are in a position to be successful, you know, but I'm not going to jeopardize their safety with that. So, you know, we just, we did what we could. And, and again, we're just going to take the information we get from the NPSSAA and the Bayside and Dorchester, Dorchester County public schools and, you know, do the best we can for, you know, the program and the kids. Does it kind of, I know obviously things are stable, stabilized with, you retaking your position, but with everything that the program went through throughout during the pan, while the pandemic was going on, does that put them? Do you feel like you're at any disadvantage or even an advantage going forward with you know school closed and with the sports shut down just because of you know the couple of staff changes and just everything that you all gone through? No, um, you know I think the biggest change is losing your defensive coordinator. Um, so we're going to have to change that up a little bit, but other than that, it's nothing new. I mean, CSD is a program, the program is bigger than one person. The program has ways to practice, ways to approach, um, practice weeks, game nights, game day. I mean, it's just, you know, 
so much of what we do is already just kind of set in stone that it's other than the schematics of the defensive coordinating position, which we've figured out um, very quickly. You know, I don't think we're at any disadvantage or advantage, you know, than, than anybody else. You know, and I, again, like I said, I don't think there was any benefit of working the kids out this summer. You know, I get it. You know, you got the mental health piece. Um, you know, but again, if we can't bring the kids back to school, I don't see a point in bringing the kids together. If, if it's not safe, it's not safe. Um, so that's just my opinion um, on the situation. Um, but that's just, that's just how I view it. All right. So, you know, I, I know you and the team, like we said, are hoping for a spring season, no matter what it looks like, just to be able to get out there and play. But to kind of, I guess, memorialize the fall and wrap this up a little bit, what's so special about the atmosphere of Friday nights in, in fall? What makes the loss of an actual fall season so hard to swallow for so many? I think it's really the, the, the process. Just going through what so many people have done before you and you kind of doing it on your own. Um, that was kind of explained to me as a young kid you know, I don't know. I was probably, I was probably a junior in high school, and then an older guy had stopped me, and that was after like an August practice, and I was dead tired, and he had stopped me. I'd stopped at a right eight or something to get a power aid, and he, he said, "Hey, do you play football?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's a tough August practice. We had two day yesterday and a practice today, you know." And he was like, "Oh, I graduated this year." you know, played all four years, you know, it's a grind, but you're always going to remember it, you know, and, and that kind of mindset that like, it's the process, it's the working out in the summertime, which transitions to the lockers, you know, once you get your equipment and the seniors getting, you know, their first choice and the seniors getting, you know, the new helmets, you know, and then, and the juniors and those young, those young, you know, up and comers who maybe are ready for varsity a little bit sooner than everybody else. You know, it's it's that it's that camaraderie, that that process of feeling like you're, you know, you're a part of something bigger than yourself, and and you feel that when you when you walk the halls of Cambridge and the kids have their jerseys on on Fridays and you know they walk by, you know, the trophy cases and. You know that kind of that kind of camaraderie that you know just just that that grind and and and, and then it's the then it's the owing somebody something. So the kids got a tip on their shoulders. You know, losses last year, wins last year. You know, they wanna they wanna prove themselves to be worthy of making um, the field house walk. That's the reality. If you come to the inside of our field house, there's the three state championships, and then there's all of our, you know, Bayside and regional championships, and all those years are on a giant graphic there on the inside of our field house wall. And it's about making yourself immortal, essentially, paving yourself to be on that wall and earning that right for the rest of your life to point to it and say, look, that was me. You know, and that's that stinks that the kids lose that opportunity. Um, but, again, like I said, I don't know what a schedule could look like. I would assume that if they do a five-game schedule, I'd play four small schools and one big school. 
but I don't know that. I mean, they may just they may just kind of mix it all up and and just try to make sure. You know, they may do a north and a south thing where you know Queen Anne's County, you know Easton and uh, Caroline County and Dorchester kind of play each other, and the South play. I, I don't know. There's just so many things they could do. You know, it's just you just don't know. So, yeah, that's 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 what the kids are missing. They're missing, you know, and hopefully they're able to kind of finish that. Like I said, you got the seniors who have worked for this moment to be the old heads on the block. You got the young kids who've been working hard to try to have that chance to be the starter. You know, and then, and then you know, it's just, it's just that whole process, that whole grind, you know, that hopefully we can kind of figure out. That's great. All right, well, appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on the pod. Yes, sir, buddy. Talk to you later.